Oh, just like the NBA itself, we are ticking along nicely. Smithy's alongside of me as per usual. And, mate, the season is uh, going going beautifully at the moment. The fact that we don't really have an outright best team in the league is probably a good thing, given that we've still got just uh, under half a season to go and no one can really put their finger on who the outright winner is going to be. It makes for a fun competition, I'm sure you'll agree. Clarity, my friend. There is, It's just amongst the league at the moment, and we love it. Yeah, we absolutely do. Let's get straight into the headlines, mate. And let's start with, you brought this to the group chat of our fantasy league. And I'll be honest with you, even after I Googled it, I didn't believe it. But the all-star lineups were announced. Now, I'm going to preface this conversation that's going to take place with this. Two weeks after the all-star weekend, no one's going to give a shit. They're really not. It's not going to affect anyone's legacy. It's not going to affect, like, GOAT conversations. It's not going to affect this season. But... Let's talk about it, mate. Andrew Wiggins started, and it's fair to say that you were befuddled would be a good word, I think. Befuddled is a great word, um, and it just shows that fan voting needs to go because what the hell? Desmond Bain had better season averages than Andrew Wiggins, and no, like Desmond Bain is like a good player, and he's playing really well for the Grizzlies, but he is not an all-star starter, not even <laughs> close to it. Also. And Andrew Wiggins was voted and all. Oh, it's just blasphemy, to be completely honest. Um, you could look at probably a dozen of the Western Conference front court players, and they would have better statistical seasons than Andrew Wiggins in every major category. Um, so, yeah, look, bit of a joke. Everyone knows it. Um, obviously, we can't get too upset about it because, as you said, who cares two weeks after the all-star game, we're going to forget about it. Yeah. But at the time it's just that, like that initial reaction is just what the hell is going on? <laughs> my, my favorite, um, my favorite sort of uh, response to it was what we live in a world where a number one pick um, who has disappointed us gets a starting gig over a man from a war-torn country who's come to America, lit it up by storm and has to sit on the pine, and that's Luca. I know they're in yeah. different positions, so I understand all that, but the uh, yeah, the fact that Luca and you could look at Kat and Rudy Gobert just sort of got shafted in a way, you could argue, probably less Luca than the other two gentlemen. But um, the, is this more a consequence of the 24-7 media that we've spoken about that are blowing these things out of proportion? Because probably we're going to forget this five minutes after we finish this conversation. But do you think the fact that this keeps getting resurfaced and social media allows every fan to, of course, have their own opinion, right, wrong, or otherwise, do you think this stuff gets blown out of proportion or do you think systemic change needs to come in for the all-star lineups? I think it depends on what the NBA wants the all-star game to be. Um because obviously fan voting is a great way to build hype, but if you want the all-star game to be something of significance and something that players strive to be a part of, you need to figure out a way to reward the best players and give them the spot instead of fans voting mediocre players into the game, because that's just going to make, that's not going to make anyone care about being an all-star you know, if if there's a, a fringe all-star, you know, this year who misses out, they're going to look at Andrew Wiggins and say, well, who cares? I know I'm better than him. So how many all-star games isn't going to matter at the end of the day on my CV because obviously the best players aren't rewarded with an all-star jersey. So 
it's all up to the NBA what they want the spectacle to be. Do they want it to be purely for the fans and something that just gets ratings or do they want it to be something of significance? Yeah, and the last thing that we'll touch on this, mate, is this was, I uh, hope I pronounced this right, but Andy, it's either Wick or like Witch because it's A-N-D-I-W-I-C-H, so Wick or Witch, depending on what part of the pond he's from. I think the US would go down the Wick, whereas, of course, we got like Norwich and stuff in the UK. But uh, on an ESPN tweet suggested that um, if we wanted a serious style um NBA game for the end of season, why not get the first all-NBA team versus the second? And if the second can cause an upset, all of those players become the first team. So there's something to play for and we can take it seriously. That sort of stood out to me because it wasn't like an outlandish suggestion and that would give the stakes, you know, these accolades mean a lot to these players and we can still keep the fan voting and the all-star game just becomes an exhibition. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't mind it. The only thing you'd hate to see a major injury because they'll unlike the All Star Game where you know the players sort of just go around fifty percent and you know do the do the flashy things and have a bit of a laugh. In that game, they'd be going hard. They'd be going one hundred percent. You'd hate to see a big time injury in a game like that where it's going to affect a team in the next NBA season. So. That'd be my big, um, my big question on that idea. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen a better suggestion. So good on him, good on you, Andy. I'm not going to try the second part. Um, the second one, probably not really a headline, but I've got a couple of people that are like not massive basketball fans, but they do live in America who messaged me within an hour of each other. They don't know each other. Um, like apologizing on behalf of the U S for Joe Ingalls being out with an ACL as if everyone in America is Joe's best mate. And he's like, I'm so sorry to hear about you from your mate, Joe. They go. And I'm like, I don't know him personally, but he's out with an ACL mate. So we've got less Aussie representation in the league. It started with Ben Simmons. We've now got jingles where we're dropping like flies. If Josh Giddy gets kidnapped or something, I'm worthy of saying there's a conspiracy going on down under in the U S what do you reckon? Very sad, uh, gruesome injury as well. Yeah. Right, and it's not—it's not the first time he's done an ACL. No. I think he did one while he was playing somewhere else overseas. So, um, hopefully, Joe can have all the best in his recovery and come back as big and as bad and as better than ever. Yeah. So during our NBA episode, so we've maintained about a twenty-eight percent. Uh, US listenership. So for anyone out there, if you ever put something on the message boards, Smithy and I don't know Joe personally. Sorry, we appreciate the messages if you want to send them through, but he's an Aussie, we're Aussies. That's literally all that we've got in common. Um, But let's move on, mate. A more serious one before we get out of the news. Jimmy Harden in Brooklyn is a situation that is developing seemingly by the day, wanting out. The 76ers looks the best option. Um, Frankly, I'm glad we get to talk about someone wanting to leave, not named Ben Simmons. So what do you think is going on with uh, James Harden in Brooklyn? Is it a good move to get him out? Do you understand his frustration with management and with Kyrie? What do you think? I can definitely understand why he'd be frustrated. Um, I think... What's going to happen is he is going to stick it out for the rest of this year, try and get that championship ring, but he's going to test the open market in the summer and there's going to be a serious tug of war for his services. So that's going to be something very fun to watch. Uh, I'm sure he will get a very handsome payday out on the open market. So for his 
life after basketball, I think hitting free agency is a great decision. Um, but if he wants that ring, he should stick it out this year in Brooklyn and, and have a red hot go at it. Beautiful. I like it. Do you want to give us a way too early prediction on who could uh, chase him down if it's not the 76ers, mate? Because there's a personal connection there. Gee, way too early prediction. Um, just trying to think who's got money next year, mm. who's young and who's got money. I probably could have rehearsed this bit before we started it. So, yeah, you've put me on the spot. Money, but something, well, I know we say it about big free agents, but something about putting big guys in Madison Square Garden is always good. But I don't yeah. think the have got the money to have him. So, yeah, I don't think that would be that'd be exciting to watch. So, um, just the Knicks just go yeah. and get someone not named Kemba or Evan Fournier. Go get someone who's not a Boston would be good. Yeah, who has somewhat crowd appeal that can get that joint rocking again. We all need to see it. So that's all the uh, Knicks slander for me today. Yeah, I, I maybe someone like the Kings could offer him a, a decent contract. They've yeah, got money, right, but yeah. I, I can't see him going there. So who knows? It's going to be fun to watch though. Yeah, it definitely will be. All right, let's get to uh, the hero, mate. And this is a man very close to your heart. Jimmy Buckets, man. Um, he took and he is close to my heart. I do I do love him. Um, You're a big fan. But against a- Toronto, triple overtime game, and I'll talk about the game in just a tick. But 37, 14, 10, 3, and 2. In 52 minutes of game time, he went 14 of 26 from the field. And before we discuss just how much that takes the piss, it was the first time in NBA history that all five starters on the court played 50-plus minutes in the same NBA game, and that was actually Toronto starters. So a little bit of NBA history there for you, mate. But 37-14, 10 52 minutes. That is, that is just extraordinarily amount of piss he's taken there. It's a serious day, isn't it? A serious day. And I have him in my NBA fantasy team, and I didn't take his score. So... <laughs> If anyone is surprised about that, don't be. <laughs> yeah, you are lingering at fourth at the moment, mate. But the uh, the other competitors in our league, I think, have ensured that you've locked up that number four spot. But the game of the week is that Toronto-Miami game, triple overtime, 124-120. 12 players ended up in double digits. We've talked about Jimmy Buckets already, but Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi combined for 41 27 12, 7, and 5, mate. That is a double joy that ended up getting them across the line in a very good Raptors win. Yeah, it's it was a big win for the Raptors, actually. They're playing some really fun basketball at the mm. moment. Um, one of, I want to give a shout out to one of my former Blazers, Gary Trent Jr., who is lighting it up at the moment, going stupid. So, um, yeah, good on the Raptors. It's good, to, it's good to see them, you know, bouncing back with all this youth. Is there something in there, the fact that he got traded and he's now flourishing, mate? Is there something there, do you think? There's probably something there. <laughs> There's probably something there. I agree. Let's get to the rookie of the week, mate. And um, we've now got our another, sorry, multiple nominee with Franz Wagner, who is literally becoming, if he's not the best, probably a second best player on the team at the moment. He's genuinely flying. Yeah, the Magic is struggling, but he, he's doing good things. Um Averaged 21 points on the week, which is handy for a rookie uh, and had some really good shooting splits over 60% from the field and over 50% from behind the three-point line. So um, he did some good work scoring the ball this week and it's not looking pretty in Orlando at the moment, but he is definitely a bright spot. Let me tell you, there's not a lot well going on in Florida at the moment, just as I'm I'm thinking about it. The heat are going okay, but the... uh 
NFL and the NBA, there are, there are some tragic things going on in Florida at the moment. We feel for them. But if you ever want some entertainment, mate, just Google Florida man and your birthday and you'll find out just how nuts that joint is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of wild stuff going on. Let me just put it this way. My birthday is a uh, Florida man robs school bus naked. So that's just where we're at when it comes to Florida, mate. It's a weird <laughs> joint. Let me tell you. But the Rookie of the Week scoreboard, we've got Scotty Barnes on four nominations, Josh Giddy, the horse, and Cade Cunningham, who did have a triple-double this week but struggled in his other two matches. They've both got three nominations. Evan Mobley and Franz have got two nominations each. We've got Omar Yacht 7 who you picked up in our fantasy league, mate, for about four days and then dropped him off, which was gave, nice. He gave me a very handy uh, 27, I think, so yeah. shout out to him. Absolutely. Took the piss. So he's got a nomination as well, but it's all about the MVP, mate, and it is beginning to light up. And you've talked about Gary Trent Jr. We've got Steph, Giannis, Jokic all not getting votes this week. Um, which is extraordinary, but we'll kick it off with Joel Embiid, as I'll find his stats here somewhere. He'll be here somewhere that I can't find. Goodness gracious me, how's this going? You want to pass this for is, a bit? This is great. This is great podcasting. This is this is craft. That's what this it, is. This is this podcasting is, craft. This is extraordinary. Right, here we go. Goodness me, if this freezes on me, this could just be the end of Dazzling's career, I think. Cancel culture. All right, he's got 31. We've got it up here. Fine. 31. Oh, I didn't know why I didn't put this in my notes, but he's rocked up with 31, 10 and a half, 6 and a half. And I guess like um, Jokic in a way now that I think Joel's embraced the fact that he is not one sharing 1A with someone else. It is one and everyone else can be three and 3A and 3B and moving on. Would that be a fair statement, do you reckon, mate? Yeah, definitely. He's um, he's grabbed the, the star role or the lone star role with two hands. And I watched a game um, of theirs the other day against Washington. No, not against Washington. Sorry, I apologize. Um, it was on national TV. Who do they play? Oh, Kraft. This, this, this has been a very poor last couple of <laughs> minutes by us, hasn't it? But I, I, did, I did watch a game live. Uh, it was against the Lakers, that's right. And he was being constantly double teamed. Um, but the way he managed to get out of those double teams and pass the ball really effectively, it was huge. So, um, yeah, he, he's been awesome. He definitely has. And per minute, he averaged for all players that played multiple games. He was second for plus minus behind Kyle Kuzma, who's been balling out. We talked about him Um off chat, mate, which was great. But Joel Embiid gets one vote. Devin Booker gets two votes. He is a man. I don't know who told him that I traded him in NBA Fantasy, but geez, he's taking that personally. Michael Jordan meme style, but 34 points on 50.5% from the field, 39.4% from three. Nothing to laugh at there. Just over six rebounds, four assists, which he's added to his game. I think last year at times he struggled to... Uh, playmake thinking that Chris Paul was just going to do it all. And of course he does at certain points, but his playmaking ability has certainly grown as he has gone on plus minus of nine and a half. And the Suns are probably the most underrated 40 win and single digit loss team. I can remember in a very, very long time, my friend. No one talks about them. No. It's, <laughs> it's actually boring champion team ever. Yeah. Well, potential champion team. I think you've said it before and you actually nailed it. It's like, Everyone will overreact when the Nets lose or the Warriors lose or the Bucks lose. Mm. But the Suns lose and you're like, oh, well, 
Okay. And then they just they just they just go on another 12 game winning streak or something. It's actually crazy. Yeah, but speaking of crazy, mate, played four games this week and is genuinely taking the piss. Now I asked whether the question should be is he in line for the most improved? And you said this man's going to make a charge for the MVP, but Jar Morant, do you know he averages more points in the paint this year than any other player in the league? And he's it's nuts. And he's like what, six four? Is that yeah, probably six? Four? Yeah, six three, I think. Yeah, six three. We'll go with that. But how's thirty five and a half points on fifth, just over fifty one percent shooting, thirty eight percent from three. A free throw shooting could use some work. But however, we move on. Six rebounds, just over six assists. So when the ball in his hand, things happen. He had a double double and a triple double. Excuse me, and a plus minus of five point eight, taking the genuine piss, mate. And I know Phoenix have gone under the radar, but it's fair to say the Grizzlies are probably. Uh, the f- most fun team to watch in the league now. hundred percent. It seems like every second day you get a passage of play on social media that just lights up Instagram or Twitter from the Grizzlies. Um, there was one the other day and it was a, a chase down block by Desmond Bain, I think. And then John Morant threw an alley-oop on the other end. It's just like, whoa, they are playing globe trotter type basketball. So, um, yeah, look, I was pretty high on John Morant coming into the season. Daz can attest to that during our preseason shows, and he is flying. Yep, genuinely flying. So let's get to the leaderboard, mate. And we've actually got a new player on the podium, but Giannis and Jokic are tied on 11. And Big Jar is on nine, filling out the third spot, mate. That's going beautifully for you. Joel Embiid is on eight. Jimmy Harden is on six. Steph and Devin Booker are on five, and the rest fall in place as they do. I still hope we get someone as random as Christian Wood on the leaderboard because it just makes me happy every week when it comes up. But let's get to the stock market, mate. We uh, we stumbled a little bit during the MVP, but I feel like this is going to be us at our best. You are the Wolf of Wall Street when it comes to the NBA. You look after the Blazers, so you've got the West. I'm a Celtics fan. I look after the East. Let's start with your boy, mate. Who are you getting on board with this week? I will buy some Golden State Warriors, my friend. They are rolling at the moment. Um, they had a massive week. They actually played They played five games this week, mm. which is huge. So they, they played last Wednesday, um, and then they smashed Dallas. They beat Minnesota, beat Brooklyn, beat Houston, and then they beat the Spurs without Clay, without Steph, and without Draymond Green. Yep. And they still beat the Spurs. So um, they're flying with those boys. They're flying without them. They're getting the synergy back. They're getting the chemistry back. I will buy some now, please. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, extraordinary that um, I think Steph said, uh, actually, I'm not even going to go with it because I'll be guessing. So let's just move on quickly to the hold, mate. Who are you unconvinced about this week? LA Clippers, for me, Boy. played four games and they're just so confusing at the moment, man. They beat a really bad Orlando team, which you go, yep, that's a result I expected. Mm-hmm. And then they lost to Miami in Miami and you yeah. say, yep, that's I'm a result I expected. Yeah. yeah. And then they beat the Hornets in Charlotte by – they didn't just beat them. They beat them by 25 points. Ooh. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, maybe they're getting something going. Mm. 
But then they lose to the Pacers, and the Pacers didn't have DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner or Malcolm Brogdon, and they lose to the Pacers. So I have no bloody idea what's going on with the LA Clippers at the moment, and I don't want a bar of them. Cannot say I'll blame you in the slightest, mate. And who are you selling? Who have you had a gut full of? I am selling the Utah Jazz. Bang, good team too. This is- I have had enough. Oh, no. Oh, I've been holding off on this for so long because I'm constantly saying to myself, they'll come right. They'll come right. It'll be fine. They're fourth in the West. But have a listen to their record in January. So it goes, loss, win, win. They start two and one. Good start, yep. But then they string together four losses in a row. Oh. Have a win. Okay. So if you're keeping up, that's three, three, and, three and five. Yeah, bit inconsistent. Two more losses. Oh, three and seven. And they're losing to bad teams, the Lakers and the Rockets. Oh, no. And then they beat the Pistons. So at that stage, they're four and seven, and you're thinking, okay, it's not a great month, but- could be worse. Everyone can have a down patch. They finish out the month with a five-game losing streak, Dallas. <laughs> and this team is supposed to be a contender. <laughs> Bugger off, Utah. Yeah. You cannot be going 4-12 and 12 in the month of January and expect to be taken seriously. You're a bunch of pretenders. You can piss off. Oh, <laughs> bang. Our man's gone off. Goodness gracious me, he's gone off that much. He's not asking me who I'm buying, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I'm going to buy a franchise that's played six times in the last 10 days, Smitty. So this is a really tight, condensed schedule. And what have they gone here? They have gone five and one. So that is a tick in my book. That is the Toronto Raptors. I know we've spoken about them a little bit already, but it's not just that. They beat Charlotte. They lost to the Bulls. That happens. The Bulls are a good team. Mm-hmm. Beat Miami in triple overtime. They then had the day off. They then go at home to Atlanta and win by six. Good win. I know Atlanta are inconsistent, but that happens. And then they beat the Heat. So yeah. they're knocking over good teams left, right, and center, mate. And all by some, they're gelling nicely. I don't think we had them in our playoff predictions. So they're firmly giving us the middle finger, mate. But that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's very impressive. Cut, especially with a, a triple overtime game wedged in there. You'd, you'd expect a flat one after that, but to uh, come a few wins after that, it's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And they've got the Bulls, Hawks, and Hornets, so pretty much a mirrored fixture to come this week. So given the fact that they've won them in the past, they can absolutely go 3-0 and again and separate themselves from the bottom of the playoff race. Um I know uh, this is the team that I keep jumping on and holding and jumping on and holding, but Cleveland need to be put on notice a bit. Um, are you guys a tease? Are you a good team? I know you're young, but seriously, what the hell are you? You can't, I repeat, you cannot do the following, Smithy. You cannot beat the Knicks. You cannot beat the Bucks, and then lose to the Pistons, beat the Pelicans, and then lose to the Rockets by double digits. What is oh, going on? Wow. Yeah, that's that not ideal. <laughs> yeah, that's um, I go for Portland, and I feel bad for you, Cavs fans. So that's saying something. They've only got the two games this week because they do deserve the break. But it's Charlotte and the Pacers. 
So if they go 0-2 there, it's, I know they're pretty established in the playoff spot, fifth at the moment, but Brooklyn, Charlotte are in that grouping, of course, and Toronto are wanting to work their way up and up that board. That is a um, perilous spot they've got themselves in. I know how to speak English, but Smithy, there is a team that I am selling that I've had an absolute gutful of, and like Utah, they're a contender. But when you've lost five in a row, a good player wants out, and you've only got another good player for half the year, you can absolutely go and get stuffed. Brooklyn Nets. Oh, uh, boy. I've had a gutful. This is uh, KD and spare parts, and KD's not really on the floor much. So well, what are we meant to expect, my good friend? I have no idea. Lost to the Kings. Um, lost to the Suns. Lost to the Warriors. Lost to the Nuggets. Lost to the Lakers. Lost to the Timberwolves. And their Jesus. last two wins were beating the Spurs, who shot 31% from the field, and then Washington by one. Blech. Yeah, that's, that's not great. That's that's utterly not okay. And uh, you can ship off Brooklyn Nets. Oh, boy. All right, mate. Let's get to the Blazers breakdown. And this is going to be an interesting one for you because your trade plans have been revealed. You've played more cohesive at times, but I get the feeling that this is going to be interesting. So the floor is yours, mate. Update us on what's going on in your side of town. Well, it's funny because you say uh, Blazers breakdown and I'm actually going to have a breakdown. I, I am going to end up in the fetal position after this chat because we went one and three on the week. Uh, we lost to Dallas by 20 to start the week, which didn't really set us off on the greatest foot. <laughs> we, we also gave up 132. Jesus. Uh, good defense from a defense yeah, coach there. <laughs> fantastic. Really, really good. And then we beat the Houston Rockets. Hooray. We beat one of the worst teams in the NBA. That's great. Uh, we come out two nights later and lose to the Bulls by 14, give up another 130. Shout out to uh, Chauncey Billups' Chauncey defensive game plan there. And then this is the one that hurts, Daz. I know we're on the, the second night of a back-to-back, but we come out and lose to the Thunder by 17, score 81 points, yeah. and shoot 42%. From the field. But, Smithy, I am going to put you... I know you're feeling down, mate, but the the franchise isn't going that great. The trade deadline is coming up. Portland have got huge plans, and you are going to turn around this roster quickly. I cannot wait for you to dissect what your boys are going to do before the deadline. What's going on, mate? What's happening? Big plan. Well, well, you never guessed what uh, they've come out and said. I reckon they've come out and said they want to shake up the roster and maybe not win this year, but try and win in the future and, and things are going to happen. Just tell me how correct I am. They plan on making no moves at the trade <laughs> deadline. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, surely not. None. Damian Lillard safe. CJ McCollum safe. Yusuf Nurkic safe. Robert Covington safe. Norman Powell safe. Everyone's safe, does. Huge. Because you know what? We just love playing big, happy fucking families. Everyone come in here. You can be as mediocre as you want and we'll still love you. We'll still respect you. I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. We are 10th in the West and I can, I've been supporting Portland for so long now that I actually have the ability to read the mind of the upper management. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to tell you what they're, you know, do you want me to tell you what they're thinking? I need to know, mate. They're thinking, 
Okay. The NBA has a play-in tournament now. 10th seed is technically making the playoffs. If we can get Dame Lillard back and scrape into the 10th seed, maybe win the play-in and get bounced in the first round 4-0, that's a win in our book. <laughs> and it is genuinely pathetic. Genuinely pathetic. Um, the fact that they're not looking to make a move now uh, annoys me beyond belief. And if I keep talking, I might pop a valve. So, Dazzling, talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me about your Celtics, mate. Okay, so in all seriousness, we're going to start with something just in the past, mate. So in 1981, the Celtics won the NBA championship coached by Bill Fitch, who passed away today, aged 89. So uh, condolences to Mr. Fitch and all of his family and friends during this difficult time. Championship winning coach will be loved by everyone um, in the past, present, and future of the Celtics organization. So I want to get that out of the way first. Um, and it's a weirdly positive, but not optimistic talk that I want to have with you, Smithy. There is a distinct difference in that, my friend. The positives are that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think, are still adjusting quite well to the one of them needs to be a one and the other two situationally. The problem that we've got with that is that it's taking them too damn long in some games to figure out who's who, because in the 16-point loss to Atlanta, uh, neither of them shot well, and it turns out that we didn't have a plan B, which is always mm. fun. Um, yep. But a 10-point win over the Pelicans, uh, I'm pretty sure you, me, and three mates down the street could beat the Pelicans at this point. Um, and then we went up against Miami with no Jimmy Butler and no Kyle Lowry. And someone actually went on Twitter and put out that when the Celtics were playing a franchise who were missing their highest score of the season, Smithy, and this goes back to the mental fragility that I've spoken about with you on uh, numerous occasions. We've played teams 11 times this year where that's happened. At what yep. do you reckon the win record is? Oh, against Without teams who are missing up. their best score. Oh, yeah, you'd think it'd have to be at least on the positive side. I'll say seven and four. Uh, two and nine is <laughs> what we are. What? <laughs> two and nine. Yep. Playing teams without their best scorer. Correct. How does that make any sense? <laughs> Mental fragility, mate. It's just it's just what's happening. So to come away from that Miami game with a 30-point win was pretty pleasing. Marcus Smart uh, is doing what Marcus Smart does, and if you're wondering what he does, he ups his assist numbers in the two weeks before the trade deadline, proves how good he is to the organization. We keep him, and then he just stops passing the ball. So I look forward to that happening more and more. It looks like that we are going to be shopping around Al Horford, Dennis Schroeder, and Josh Richardson now. I've been a fan of Dennis this year. I think he hasn't actually had a certified role in the team. And I do feel for him there. I wonder what we can get from him. Josh Richardson looks like the Jazz are interested, which I wonder what we could get from the Jazz, but that's the reports coming out of there. And how Al Horford is just going to be for financial gain, but we'll see what happens. But it looks like the two Jays and Time Lord are definitely not going anywhere, not for anything. And I don't think we're going to make a massive move. So as we sit here, 28 and 25, I mean, it's fine. But we're ninth in the conference, which isn't good enough. So the question we've got to ask ourselves is, do we just try and build a roster and get bounced in the first round of the playoffs? It feels like we're talking about the same franchises here, mate. But do we see what we can do in the playoffs and then work on something in the offseason, maybe with a Ben Simmons or maybe James Harden, which we tried to do when he left Houston? Uh, who knows, but it's going to be hard to see the two Jays getting another start around them. So still young, still developing. 
it, it is still frustrating though because of all the teams above us, the only one that I could see us conclusively, well, probably two that I could see us beating in a seven-game series is probably Cleveland and Toronto. And the odds of us meeting them in the uh, first round is going to be minuscule as we're probably coming up against the Bulls, um, Bucks, Nets, um, or Heat. So I don't see us beating any of them in four. So as optimistic as I want to be, it's not going to be uh, that much, mate, because if we got into the second round, something extraordinary is going to happen. So that's where we're at with the Celtics. Well, it sounds like you at least had a better week than me, mate. Definitely, mate. Two and one, so reasonably happy. But that's it for us this week, mate. You can sign us off in your signature style, hopefully with a pep in your step that clearly Portland are not providing. Yeah, uh, come this time next week, trade period, trade deadline mm. will be either run and done or coming right up to its uh, pinnacle. So I think we we're might keen. Push it a day back, just to see yeah, we, yeah, we might see if we can reschedule the recording of next week to see if we can. Or maybe even do a mini episode of the trade deadlines. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll see what we can do for you guys. Thanks for listening in. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Shout out to Dazzling for hosting as well as he always does. But most importantly, stay safe, everyone.